Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. First of all, thank you to all of you who came out for our cream puff of Palooza this morning. My, my wife got up early. We got up at four thirty in the morning. And we're dry. I said you got to see this once, and so she was a sport. She got in the car, so we drove out there to see it. And all the way out there, she's asking me questions. Okay, how does this work? How you know? How are the lines going to work? You know, what do the police do? All these type of things. And I kept saying, Hunt, just. I can describe it to you, but you really have to see it, which is also, you know, what ended up happening with a number of my teammates here, our, our good karma WTMJ teammates who, who hadn't seen this before. And I think everybody was just blown away. You pull into the parking lot at State Fair in front of the Pettit Ice Center and you look and it's just a sea of cars, like six, eight cars across in a row and row after row after row. Um, people in the front, like I say, the guy who was here first, 9 or 9.30 last night, number of people got here 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. That would be first, the, certainly the first 100 or so, and uh, it was just a pleasure. I, I wish I could have had a chance to see everybody, but then it would have taken us hours to give them away. What happens is we have three rows, and I kind of station myself in one of the rows and give out cream puffs and get a chance to say hi to as many people as possible, and people wanted selfies and all that type of stuff. We just had an absolute blast, and I'm I'm really pleased that the State Fair partners with us to do this, and I'm great. I'm glad that we could do something like this again to kind of get everybody in the mood for the Wisconsin State Fair, which opens tomorrow at 8, and as Steve was pointing out, as we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, once again, we will be broadcasting live um, all our shows, starting with Steve's at 8.30 in the morning, and then my program, and then John McCure. I think I'm going to – don't have full shows every day because we've got a couple early Brewers baseball games, but I am I think I'm scheduled to be there every weekday of the State Fair. And if you're out at the fair, please stop by our broadcast facility and say hi. I try to come out during the breaks if I can get away and uh, just tell you how much I appreciate you continuing to listen to WTMJ. So – Hope to see you out at the fair. All right. Uh, today is the day. If you're a baseball fan, they've changed the rules this year. It used to be that you had a, a July tra- July 31st trading deadline, and then they had a second deadline at the end of August um, the, for players who could clear wa- waivers. You know, if you're not a baseball fan, you don't need to get too far in the weeds with this. But, but they've changed the rules, and th- there's only one trading deadline, and that is today, and it ends at 3 o'clock. So I would not be surprised if between now and 3 o'clock, you, you hear some more news out of the Brewers because um, clearly they've been trying to upgrade their pitching staff. They made a move uh, yesterday, ended up, or two days ago, ended up bringing back a guy who pitched for them last year. I don't think it would be classified as a major move. The news today is that Jesus Aguilar, who was an all-star last year, remember, I mean, remember, you know, he was voted in by the fans. I can remember being out at Miller Park. Remember that crew? You know, we're doing this big event, people coming out to vote for him and all that. Um, so, well, you know, Jesus, we barely knew ye because Jesus Aguilar has been traded um, from the Milwaukee Brewers to Tampa, and in return, the Brewers ended up getting a young right-handed pitcher. His name is Jacob Faria. He he broke in in 2017 and had a pretty good year. 
had a lousy year last year, and this year he spent most of the year in the minor leagues. He's apparently got a really strong arm, but he's really wild. And so, so what do you think of the deal, Gru? I I think I'd like it. Number one, because he's going to be under control for four or five years. But I got to say. I called it about two or three weeks ago when we were talking about trading and right. what, what do you think we might do. I called Aguilar to the Rays about two or three weeks ago. Right. Well, I mean, and, and if you think about, uh, first of all, Jesus has been having a down year. I mean, he, he's starting, he's picked it up, but he was just awful for the first half of the year. And, and even though he started hitting better, something's happened. He was a power hitter last year. He hit, what, 30-some home runs or something. He even, even though he's hitting much better, he's not hitting home runs. Something happened to his power. Um, I, I agree. I think I understand this trade, and I don't think it's a. I mean, I don't think it's a bad one. To your point, th- they have a problem because um, Jesus Aguilar has been around so long they can't send him down to the minors. So he's got no. He has to stay on the team. When he was hitting like 180, they couldn't ship him down to the minors. They would have had to release him. He's eligible for arbitration after this season. And even though he's having a crummy season this year, he was an all-star last year, and he would be due probably for a big raise. And and plus, he, he you know, he plays a position that the Brewers, they've got Eric Thames, they've got, uh, you know, Shaw is back, and I think they think that Shaw's going to be able to turn it around um they have they have coverage grindal can play first base too if he's still around so it, it was an extra piece jesus aguiar i think is also i think you could argue that he's better suited to be a designated hitter in the american league maybe than you know a position player in the national league so i i think it makes sense um very popular guy and a fun guy and and but the Brewers need pitching, and like you say, this is a young pitcher who maybe has some potential. He was a starter in 2017. He's been a reliever the last two years. He's struggling with his control, but he's not even eligible for arbitration, which is where you start making the big money until 2021. So the Brewers, and to your point, they could control him for a number of years. Some people think he's got the potential to be a starter, so even if they use him in relief this year, maybe they can figure out a way to work him in. You, you just never know about these things. But I, th- this isn't a major deal, but um, it, it is just because you know Jesus was so very popular. But I I understand why they made it. So do you think they're going to do something bigger between now and 3 o'clock? I don't. I think they're going to make another trade, but I don't think it's going to be anything like a blockbuster like what we might have had yesterday with the the Reds, Reds trading for Trevor Bauer. Right. Um, so you don't you don't think it's going to be one of these sort of stop the presses type un- of Unless if they trade Moustakis and Grandal, I don't see anything else big happening. But, of course, if you trade either Moustakis or Grandal – you're probably saying that you're 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 sellers, not buyers, and I don't know whether whether and I've argued objectively they're not going to win the World Series this year, so maybe that makes the most sense. But reasonable people can disagree about that. So you don't you don't think any big news coming out between now and three? No, I just don't see it. I don't know. <laughs> I just I, I don't know. But stay tuned. You know, we'll we'll bring you the news when when and if that happens. All right. As I was saying in the introduction. This is an eclectic program. I mean, I understand there was a Democratic candidate debate. I'm not sure if anybody really watched it. And there's another one tonight. We'll kind of touch on some of those things. But as I was putting this story, to, this show to together today, there's all these interesting stories. Um, some involve, you know, local events or decisions that are being made. Others just involve, like, interesting scenarios. And that's where I want to start off the program. All right. Can I see a show of hands? Have you played dodgeball? 
And anybody, you know, played dodgeball, just, just raise your hands. Okay, two, four, six. All right, a lot, a lot of people have played dodgeball. And if you haven't, you, you probably know the basic premise of dodgeball, that you go into a gym or whatever, and they throw out a bunch of rubber balls, and you run out, and you grab a rubber ball, and you go and you try to throw it and hit somebody on the other team. And if they catch the ball that you threw, they're out. If you get hit by the ball, you're out. And the object is, you know, to um, you know be the last person standing. We all probably played dodgeball at some time in our life. Well, here's a story about a variation of dodgeball. And my question to you is, he's 10 years old. Do we charge him with a crime? Yep, 10 years old. Do you charge him with a crime? Story comes from kind of outside of Detroit, Michigan. So here's the deal. It's an elementary school. This is at the end of April. And you have a bunch of kids, and they're playing a variation of dodgeball. The game is called um, TIPS, T-I-P-S. And apparently what, what you're supposed to do is there's all these balls there, so it's kind of like dodgeball. The kids, you grab a ball, you jump up in the air, and you throw the ball before you land. You know, so it's un- it's similar to dodgeball. And the idea is you throw the ball and you try to hit somebody, and if you hit them, they're out. But you have to grab the ball and jump up and throw it in the air. So tips, that's what they call it. So anyhow, you've got a bunch of kids, 9 and 10 years old, who are out on the playground. They are playing this game. What apparently happens is... A 10-year-old, after the game has ended, 10-year-old hauls off and takes one of these rubber balls, and he throws it at one of the other kids that's been playing the game with him, a 9-year-old. So he throws the ball at the 9-year-old, and he hits the 9-year-old in the face, and the kid has like a black eye and uh, a bruise on, on on his forehead. Right. The child and I don't think anybody knew this, but the child also kind of suffers from a a medical condition um, that that renders him particular. What do they call it? Chronic brain stem infliction. Um, But but nobody knew that the kid had that. So anyhow, the kid gets hit in the face and he, you know, ends up with a with a black eye and and a bruise on his face. Um, the mom takes him into the hospital, and it turns out he has a concussion, all right, because he got hit in the face with, with this ball. The mom of the kid who got hit is irate that the other kid threw the ball at her son. And this doesn't sound like it was part of the game. It sounds like the game is over, and he hauls off, and he throws the ball at the kid. She complains to the principal. The principal calls the authorities and law enforcement gets involved and at least initially there's an update to this but at least initially issues aggravated assault charges against the 10-year-old so he's charged as a juvenile with aggravated assault now this gets him into the juvenile court system and it, it's if it's an adult it would be considered as a misdemeanor in the juvenile court system, you might have more leeway to handle it. But but he's charged as a juvenile with aggravated assault for throwing the ball and hitting the other kid in the face. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, this is stuff that happens on a playground in an elementary school. And let us assume for the sake of argument that the 10-year-old did, in fact, throw the ball 
at the nine-year-old. And let us assume for the sake of argument that he did it, you know, because he wanted to hit him in the head. All right. Is this something that you need the juvenile courts for? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How should this matter be resolved? I've got some ideas, but I'm curious as to where you come down on this. 414-799-1620. We're back to discuss in just a moment. This is the case of dodgeball gone bad. What should happen to the kid who threw the ball, if anything? If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So you got these two fourth graders that are playing this variation of dodgeball on the playground. After the game ends, one of the kids hauls off and throws a ball at the other kid, hits him in the face, gets a, a bruise, uh, gets a black eye and a little bit of a facial abrasion. The mom is irate. She calls the authorities. The authorities come in. They investigate. The district attorney for Wayne County says, well, the, the charge of aggravated assault as a juvenile is certainly sustainable. Hmm. 414-799-1620. Has the world gone mad? I mean, seriously, has the world gone mad? Let's talk to Jeff in West Bend. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Okay. Charge the kid criminally because he hit the other kid in the face with a dodgeball? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think we've got we've got serious problems in this world. And to, to charge a 10-year-old? Now, I don't know. There's always two sides of the story, okay, yeah. like anything. But I said... I just cannot believe um, that this this yeah. world is coming up to be this this type of thing. I I just let's 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 worry about mental illness and everything else that that's really uh, the main issue of of all the killings and everything else. <laughs> well, Why right. are we dealing with a ten year old? Right. Well, exactly. And there, there's kids that they're on a playground and one throws a ball at the other. I mean, re- seriously. And then you've got the prosecuting attorney saying, "Well, I think the charges are sustainable." Well, okay. Th- th- it's not like you've got you know adults you know in some sort of bar fight or things you know you know throwing stuff at each other. These are kids on a play ground throwing dodgeballs at one another and i guess you know you talk about two sides of the story i'm even willing to accept the worst case scenario let's say the 10 year old you know was trying to hit the other one and you know and threw it at him and okay there's still kids on the playground do you need the cops involved no absolutely not and the thing is whatever happened to sitting down yep. with the two families and and discussing it and saying you know what what seems to be the problem here Right. Yeah. There's it, no communication whatsoever anymore. Yeah, no. Exactly. No. No. Thanks for the call. I mean, you, you got to get the cops involved. Okay. Now, do I think for for some people who might be cringing hearing this, do I think that you do absolutely nothing? No. All right. Would you you whistle the kid who threw the ball in, and you say, you know, that this isn't how we behave on the playground. So here's the deal. You know, I'm I'm gonna you're gonna be suspended from school for a day, or you know, you're not gonna be able to participate in recess, or you know, no more group games for you for 30 days, or or whatever. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that you don't impose some form of punishment, but you know, this is okay. You're you're playing dodgeball effectively. Do you really need the police involved at every level of this? Okay, let's go a couple texts, Jeff. It's absolutely ridiculous to involve the courts. Should be dealt with in school. Um, unless there's some additional defa- details that point to explicit malicious intent. No, I mean, I, I think 
I, I don't know. He threw it at the other kid. He intended to hit him. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Nobody knew that apparently the kid had this particular condition because um, the mom hadn't told him, which raises a point that Kevin texts him in about. Hey, didn't the parent of the nine-year-old know her child had that condition? You know, he probably shouldn't have been allowed to play this particular type of game in the first place. The other child was just being a kid. No reason to have the police involved. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. You don't need the police involved. If you want to suspend him for a day, if you want to impose some form of punishment, that, that makes complete sense to me. That's the point that Mark from Bristol makes with his text. I think it's a little extreme. Well, I would say I think it's probably a lot extreme. I could see a suspension or restriction on playing group sports as punishment. Um, but, you know, this is... Here's a text. How times have changed. When I was in third through fifth grade in the 70s, dodgeball was an official activity in physical education class, and strong-armed, more athletically inclined kids occasionally caused minor injuries to their quote-unquote targets, and anybody thought that it was just part of the game. Well, yeah, I mean, I... I can remember that, you know, you'd play, you'd play and you'd you'd get, you know, there'd be two teams and all of a sudden you're on one team and you're watching all your teammates get knocked out. And next thing you know, there's six guys, you know, all across the way and they've got the balls and it's just you. And next thing you know, you know, you're going to get hit. Well, okay. All right. Does it sting when you get hit? Yes, it, it stings when you get hit. But come on, let's talk to Sandy in Milwaukee. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Uh, yes, I said to your screener, I'm thinking that if this boy had a sensitive condition, shouldn't he have been wearing some type of headgear if he was permitted to participate? Well, prob- I would say probably not even playing in the game in the first place, where you know well, that balls are going to get thrown at you. That's true, if, if that was that type of a condition. But even if he would be allowed to play, he probably should have been wearing some type of headgear yeah. to protect. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I thanks, Scott. I, I would agree. I guess uh, my reaction, though, was if if the child look, I, he got hit in the face. Okay, he's, he's got a black eye. He's got a facial abrasion, and and that's that's unfortunate. But at the same time, that's also part of growing up. And I, I mean, I don't want to. I, 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 the ten-year-old w- was obviously wrong. My sense is the ten-year-old, for whatever reason, here the game was kind of over. He threw the ball. Maybe the other kid wasn't looking. He hit him, and he, and he intended to do it. I, I appreciate that maybe in a real-world technical sense, maybe that is aggravated assault, throwing something at somebody. If I were to come up to my friend and colleague and teammate here, Melissa Barkley, and grab a paperweight and throw it at her face and hit her, well, yeah, okay, I understand that case goes down to the DA's office, and, and maybe they take a look at it. But but that's adults, and it's a different setting. It's not on a playground where you have kids that are doing this stuff. Neil in Milwaukee. Neil, you're on WTMJ. Neil. Yeah. Hi, Neil. What do you think? Um, I think it goes to the point where you say the game was dodgeball. And the idea is you throw the ball, the other person starts to dodge. Yeah, maybe it was unfortunate he got hit in the head, but if you're just playing a game of dodgeball, it wasn't rock ball, it wasn't gun ball, it wasn't dart ball. <laughs> right. And like I, said in my, like I said in my comment, I had a gym teacher when I was going to elementary school who took a ball on a rope, and he would swing it around in a circle, and we had to stand just inside the radius of that, <laughs> and he'd raise it higher and higher, and we'd have to jump over it. Okay. And ultimately, ultimately, it got caught on your legs, and you fell down. Yep. Do I sue that teacher for, for abuse? No. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's people are so sue crazy or so, you know... Well, they just can't resolve... 
No, thanks for calling. Uh, no, they just can't resolve anything a- at all. Now, and by the way, I mean, somebody, somebody's texting said it wasn't dodgeball. No, it was it was a variation of dodgeville dodgeball called tips, like I say, and it wasn't in the gym class. It was these kids that were playing it on the playground, and and yeah, the one kid. And, and like I said, after the game, the one kid threw the ball at the other. So I understand there was a degree of intent there. And I'm not absolving the 10-year-old. I'm just saying criminal charges are ridiculous. Anyhow, after this happened, the follow-up, they issued these charges. This case goes public. And apparently, the family of the kid who threw the ball, they, they raised like $15,000 in a day or two for legal expenses. And, and then ultimately what's happened is the attorney there, the same one, who already issued the statement saying that there, there's certainly evidence sustaining the charges, has nevertheless said, well, even though I believe we could proceed, you know, we've decided that we're not going to go ahead and prosecute the kid. Well, that's great, but you shouldn't have done it in the first place. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. State Fair starts tomorrow, and sometime between now and 3, I'll be giving away a final pair of tickets to the Wisconsin State Fair, so keep listening. Okay, look, it's a good idea, but if nobody's riding it, you discontinue it, period. Right, here's here's the background. The, they, these are what they call the job lines buses, and what they're designed to do is they're buses that take people from Milwaukee, particularly the city of Milwaukee, and run them out to the suburbs, Waukesha in particular, um, so people can get to work. And the idea is, if you live in the city of Milwaukee, particularly if you're in a disadvantaged area and you don't have money and you don't have a car, well, you know, you, you want to be able to get out and you want to find a job, like in Waukesha, you need to get there. So you need buses. Now, the background of the these job lines, these job line buses, it goes back to... Well, about 2013 and 2014, and and follow me here. Remember when we were doing all the construction work on the Marquette Interchange? Well, there was a lawsuit that was filed by the American Civil Liberties Union and a couple public interest groups. The lawsuit alleged that the people of the city were being discriminated against by all the money we were putting into the zoo interchange because, you know, people presumably, if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a car. So the idea was they're being discriminated against because we're putting all this transit money into developing the zoo interchange. And that was the argument. I was skeptical about that, but they decided to settle it. And the groups that sued the state won a settlement of $13 million saying, all right, we're, that, the settlement was take the $13 million. That $13 million was then used to fund these, they call them job line buses, and they've got a couple different routes. So it was used to fund the job line buses. The money, that $13 million, has run out. The money actually ran out um, like late last year or something like that. So there's one of these job lines. It's Route 57. It was, again, it's Milwaukee out to, to Waukesha. The money to run it ran out. So what the county board did last fall is they took $662,000 and they they said, all right, we're going to continue to fund these job lines, all right, and because we, we think it's important. That funded the job lines for eight months. 
Well, now you're in a situation where that money is run out. And what they hope to do is they hope to either get businesses that, you know, had people that came out to work for them, businesses be able to underwrite the cost. They hope um, they hope that Waukesha would step up and would, you know, underwrite the cost. And, and so far, that hasn't happened. The reason it hasn't happened is almost nobody rides the bus, this particular job line. Waukesha says that, that their, their rule for a bus line is that they need at least at least 10 passengers per revenue hour, at least 10 passengers per hour. That is the bare minimum you know, for them to consider doing a route. They say these job line buses average less than half of that. In other words, four, on average, four or five passengers an hour. The route, they say, is only serving 80 riders per day, 80 riders per day. And they say, hey, hey, look, you know, we have routes that affect thousands of people every day. And, you know, this one affects a few dozen. And we can't justify taking hundreds of thousands of dollars and then trying to, you know, use this to keep this bus line open. Well, of course, you know, this has all sorts of heads in Milwaukee exploding. Oh, this is discriminatory against people in the city. Oh, this is terrible. How can we not continue to do this? This means that some people who live in the city of Milwaukee aren't going to be able to continue, you know, doing their jobs in Waukesha. They're going to have to find other jobs. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, depending on how you do the math and how you, you figure out how many people are actually, you know, riding this route, I think it would be fair to say that the cost of maintaining this route is probably over $1,000 per rider. I mean, it's not well-traveled. Um, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, people are upset about this, but can we expect the taxpayers to continue to fund a well-intentioned but not not very well-used bus line? I get it. The idea is you want people to go from Milwaukee. You want them to be able to get out to a job in Menominee Falls or whatever. I understand that's a noble cause. And Channel 4 goes out and does a story, and they find this disabled woman who says, well, I, I, I need to take the bus. But now, for her case, she's got other options, you know, because you've got the, the paratransport thing. But I'm looking at this, and again, I, maybe I'm just being cold-hearted about this. You know, you, you can't take hundreds of thousands of dollars and use it for a system, or in this case, a bus line, where you only have a relative handful of people who are there. Matter of fact, if you do the math, you know, it might make even more sense to go out and buy the people who ride it. Buy them cars, because I think in the long run, it might even be cheaper. But the bottom line is, there's not enough people riding. So, do we have an obligation to continue to fund this? And is Waukesha County in particular, are they bad guys? Because Milwaukee County put six hundred and sixty two grand into this a number of months ago. That money is now gone. And Waukesha is saying, no, we have no interest in trying to fund this continuingly because there's not enough people that ride it. All right. Should Waukesha rethink its position? 414-799-1620. My answer is no. I mean, it's a great idea. No problem with it, but it's not being used enough to justify the resources. 414-799-1620. All right.
The job lines bus appears to be going the way of the dodo bird. All right, should we do something to prevent that? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. John in Kenosha. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, quick answer. Get them vouchers for an Uber or Lyft. Well, you know, I, I, when you break down the cost per rider, you're, you're exactly right. It would seem to me that you, you could pay cabs to, to take the few number of people that are, you know, riding this bus. You, it would probably be cheaper to pay for cabs or Uber or Lyft or whatever to take them out back and forth to jobs because nobody's riding the bus line. Exactly. No, I, and that's, I mean, thank, thanks for the call. My guess is if, if you did it a per person type of thing, like I was saying, I was only being half facetious, you might be able to get people a good down payment on a car. And, I, you know, one of the stories I'm looking at on one of the websites, jobs line bus will end after August. Funding for bus to Waukesha County jobs ending, and Waukesha doesn't seem to care. That's just, that's fundamentally not fair. It's not that Waukesha doesn't care. It's that this makes no sense. And, and this is, I guess, what happens when you, you know, deal with, I guess, some liberal people who, who you know, liberal politicians or liberal thinkers who, who don't care about the costs of things. I understand this job lines bus. It makes sense to me. All right. It's a good. It's a noble idea. But for whatever reasons, people aren't using it, or at least most people aren't using it. My guess is because what probably happens is most time, as soon as people get a job and they get a little bit of money in the bank, they buy a car so they can drive. But the reality is that they say it's only serving 80 riders per day. I mean, so imagine a bus line that's costing half a million dollars. It's only serving 80 riders per day. You have other lines that are carrying, I, I don't know, you know, um, maybe a few thousand people per day. And, you know, they, they they need the resources, too. It's just a simple question of people aren't using it. And just because it's a good idea or it sounds nice, if in the real world people don't ride it, I don't think it's reasonable to expect the taxpayers of Waukesha County or Milwaukee County, for that matter, to throw hundreds of thousands of dollars into essentially transporting a small number of people out to Waukesha. And again, for some of the people, for people who are, for example, Channel 4 goes out and they find this woman, this woman who's got a disability, you know, she'll be able to switch. She'll be able to, you know, go through the paratransport thing. So, but I I mean, look, I, I feel bad. I get it. It's a nice thing. But there's not enough demand for it. You've got to be able to move on. Dale on the south side. Dale, you're on WTMJ. Yes, uh, I believe that the temporary job services now that for $10 one way and $20 back and forth, and they provide that transportation as part of their employment. Well, I mean, I don't know. yeah, no, I mean, no, thanks. Well, I mean, see, here's their hope was that. There'd be a lot of right because the money was always a finite amount. Okay, I mean they what what happened was as, as a settlement of this lawsuit, you know they they put in thirteen million, and the hope was that all right o- over this time, this is going to be widely used, and employers in Milwaukee or in Waukesha County would would see the value of this. Hey, we're getting all these great employees that are coming out and they're using the service, and and what's happened is for whatever reason it's not worked out that way. I mean, again, they've got 80 riders, 80 riders on average per day that are using this ride. I mean, statistically, that's almost nothing. You know, Waukesha says, hey, we, we've got rules for this. Our minimum, our minimum minimum for to run a bus line is 10 
revenue-paying passengers per hour, this this job line gets less than half of that. You know, so you know, we're 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 just we're transporting two or three people, and I mean, I think their hope was that maybe the employers would see a value, and maybe employers would throw in some money to help underwrite this, or you know, do what you're talking about with the ride sharing or stuff like that. And I, I obviously, obviously, though, it's not working that way. And whether this means that there are just not enough people from Milwaukee who are going out to Waukesha statistically to work jobs, and look, I understand you can you can always find there there are there are dozens of people who do this, but dozens isn't enough to support a bus line that's going to cost well you know six hundred plus thousand dollars to run for eight months. You can't run that on dozens. You need it to be hundreds. You need it to be thousands. And it's not hundreds. It's not thousands. It's just simply not being used. So there's all these reports and all this hand-wringing and all this angst, and Waukesha doesn't care. No, that's just, in my opinion, that's just fundamentally unfair. It's just you, you, you have things cost money. And if Waukesha were, for example, to make the decision that, all right, we're going to come up with, we're going to take $400,000 of our own, and we're going to throw it into this, and we're going to, that'll keep it going for another six or eight months or, or whatever. Okay, well, that $400,000 is coming from somewhere. You know, it's coming out of other routes that are being ridden, for example, by people. So you're not going to be able to expand those routes or add additional bus lines or, or whatever. You have to make these choices. And in this particular case, this job line had had several years to establish itself. And you had a several-year trial run to determine whether it was going to work or not. And as a general rule, statistically speaking, it's been an abject failure. Now, again, maybe some of it, maybe there were more people that wrote it in the beginning. I don't know. And maybe they got established in their job, and maybe they purchased cars so they don't need to ride it. All I know is right now there's not enough people using it to justify the expense. No, There's no bad guys here. It's just reality. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, last evening, did you watch the finale of The Bachelorette? No, but I caught clips of it this morning. Yeah. I, and, I, I, <laughs> and I was I, watching it, yeah. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, now, see, I, I, I'm, I'm actually very proud of this because... I, I, I watch incredible amounts of junk TV. I mean, I'm the, I'm the first to acknowledge <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's I, nice I, that you admit that. Well, no, 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 I, I do. I mean, you know, Pawn Stars and Gold Rush and, you know, all that stuff, the uh, Deadliest Catch. I was actually bummed out because Deadliest Catch is preempted this week because it's Shark Week on Discovery. Oh, yeah. So I'm missing that. So, I mean, I, I so you take this with a grain of salt. But I'm, I freely admit that I, I watch all sorts of junk TV. I've never seen The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Never, oh. never seen it. All. You know, to be honest with you, it's my it's huh, it's my guilty pleasure. I do like watching it because you know we think all day about news and serious things. And when I get home, sometimes I don't like to think when I'm watching TV. So it's kind of like on in the background, and I can read or talk or whatever. And you, right, you're still kind of watching it with but. the idea that you really don't need to think a lot to to watch exactly. this particular one. Right now, I did. I, the only reason I know anything at all about it is I happen to have. Good Morning America on today after we got back from Cream Puffapalooza and they had the woman who was the bachelorette and they were walking it through how she picked the one guy. Hannah Brown, yeah. Right, she she picked the guy and as it turns out, 
he had another girlfriend yeah. when he went on the show, and she got all hacked off at that. So then she went back to one of the guys she dumped and stuff like that. I, I was kind of sort of half watching this going. I'm, I can't believe she picked Jed. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe that. I was like, well, I, okay. I, well. I, I was going, okay, I feel myself getting dumber as I'm oh, yeah, watching this. But, but okay, all right, so I'm killing <laughs> yeah. brain cells watching this. But, but in any event, um, okay, there were other things on TV last night, um, including the, the debate, the second round of the Democratic debates. Um, would you like to guess at the difference in ratings? Oh gosh, I, you know that's a tough one. I, I bet. no, it's not a tough no. one. I ask you tough questions. The uh, the Bachelorette by a a mile. Um, matter of fact, uh, the ratings for the debate yesterday, awful, 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 awful. They um to give you an idea, let me say I have the numbers here. They um they estimate they estimate that it's going to be about ten million people. Watch this to give you a comparison. Um, the first debate was watched by 15.3 million, and then that second night it was 18.1 million. So last night it was 10 million. So mm. they've lost about half the, the audience for people who had other things to do. Maybe watch The Bachelorette or something. Could be The Bachelorette. I was uh, watching music in a park in Milwaukee, so that's what I was doing. Well, there's lots of well, stuff. There's lots of stuff to there, do there's, on. There's lots of stuff going on, and I think that. You know, unless you're a hopeless political junkie, the idea of of sitting and, you know, watching 10 candidates, eight of whom have no realistic chance to be the president of the United States. You know, I mean, it's not like it's a Donald Trump versus, you know, whoever the nominee is going to be. You had a lot of people on there who just aren't going to be around in a couple months. Well, and I did get a recap this morning, and it seemed like it was the progressives, the Democrats were sort of attacking each other, the progressive Democrats and then the more moderate Democrats, so it was, you know, they weren't actually going after, you know, reasons, but themselves. Oh, no, but as I said before, I've got my candidate. You know, bring her out, Marianne Williamson. I mean, that that's it. You know, the kind of hippy-dippy gal who's, you know, thinking that we've got this dark, dark psychic energy, you know, and I'm waiting for her to bring out her crystals and stuff, and we, we'd all deal with this. But, you know, it, it was I did watch some of the highlights. I did not watch the entire thing. I had other stuff to do, and I wasn't watching The Bachelor either. <laughs> but um, but it, it was kind of interesting. But from a ratings perspective, taking a nosedive and I, I doubt tonight's going to be too much better yeah but, i would guess that too but who knows okay well that's that's it i was just curious about that bachelorette thing all right um you know melissa's been talking about this during the news we, we've been hearing about it all day there was another police chase that actually it, it ended up a lot better than it could have ended up okay here's what happens and I guess my point is going to be some people are using this as a justification for the police discontinuing chases. That, I think, would be a huge mistake. Instead, I think we need to focus on what the real problem is, which is the bad guys running with impunity. All right, here's the story. Last night, 1030, police see a car stopped in the middle of the road, um, right down the street from where I'm sitting now, 15th and Capitol, right? Car stopped in the middle of the road. This car matches the description of a vehicle being sought in connection with an armed robbery. All right. So now all sorts of this isn't a car that's being pulled over for having a taillight out. This isn't a car that's pulled over because there's an expired license. This is a car that supposedly they believe was used in an armed robbery. So and it's stopped in the middle of the road. So what happens is police pull up behind. 
the cops get out and they start to approach the vehicle. The driver of the vehicle, believed to have been involved in an armed robbery, does what so many drivers now do in Milwaukee, takes off. Driver flees. Police get back in the car. Now, this starts about 930 at night. Police get back in the car and pursue the vehicle. The driver of the car, who's trying to get away from the cops, driving the car that's believed to be involved in the armed robbery, is driving like a bat out of you-know-where, and the chase lasts seven, eight minutes, all right? What happens is it ends when the, the bad guy, the car that's fleeing, crashes into another vehicle, and, and the other vehicle gets hit, gets knocked into a parked car. The parked car car so figure this out as kind of a chain reaction bad guys are fleeing they hit a car that car then hits a parked car and the parked car apparently bounces up onto the sidewalk and ends up striking two boys ages seven and nine who were in the area they were on the sidewalk and they were struck they were bumped into by the parked car they suffered minor injuries so thank goodness for that the driver of the car that was hit, um, he's not seriously injured either. Thank goodness for this. After the crash, what happens is that there's a 28-year-old man and a 38-year-old, 30-year-old woman who were in the car. After the crash, one of the police officers gets out of the squad car to arrest the fleeing driver. And now you've got another squad car that's coming in, and that squad car hits the cop. Um, so... Everybody that was injured, you know, was taken to the hospital. Thankfully, everybody, you know, suffered simply minor injuries. The police chief says, okay, there's no fatalities. But as as we are playing it on the news, that this had the potential, I guess, as a lot of these things, as, as any traffic accident has, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, you could have had the guy that's trying to flee the cops, driving at a high rate of speed. He could have hit that car, and he could have killed the driver. Or he could have gone up on the sidewalk himself and lost control and hit the two kids, and then they're in the morgue instead of, you know, getting treatment for minor injuries. So it, it's incredibly possible and certainly possible that as a result of this, bad, really bad things could have happened. Thankfully, they didn't. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There continue to be people in this community who do not believe that the police should chase essentially under any circumstances. The fact that it appears that this car was involved in an armed robbery, the argument would be, let them drive away. Just, just let them drive away. You'll catch them next time, or or maybe you won't. But by chasing You put other people in danger. Our number is 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think you can let a car believed to be involved in a robbery simply drive off. I think you have to pursue it. Now, you have to pursue it in a fashion to the best you can that's not going to endanger other people. But the bad guys here aren't the police officers. The bad guy is the 28-year-old man and the 30-year-old woman who, driving a car believed to be involved in an armed robbery, decided to flee from the cops. 414-799-1620. Bad things could have happened. Thank the Lord they didn't. Is this a justification for saying we're going to go back to the bad old days and simply let bad guys drive away and not be pursued? 414-799-1620. My answer would be no. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, a number of texters are raising what, to me, it's kind of a collateral issue, and I don't want to distract from the, the larger point, which is Chase's. But a number of people do ask, you know, what, what were a 7- and 9-year-old or 10-year-old boy doing out on the streets at 1030 at, at night? And, and And I think, you know, that's another interesting question to ask as well. And you can ask that question maybe because, again, there was no sort of serious injuries here. But but anytime, anytime you have somebody driving recklessly, there is certainly the potential that you could have people that are injured. In the case of the police officer who was kind of hit when the squad car was coming up, that's less a function of the chase. That's just, hey, you know, you're trying to do the apprehension and you're trying to surround the car and make sure you make the arrest. I guess my point about all this is, you cannot allow bad guys to just get away with things. Now, I'm not saying, and I've never argued, that you should be irresponsible when you chase. You always have to consider the circumstances. You have to consider um, how congested is a particular area. but And you have to, I think, also consider you know what is the crime that you're investigating. But here, where you have a vehicle that you believe was involved in a robbery and when the person driving the car takes off, I think that's pretty much prima facie evidence that, you know, they <laughs> there's a reason why they're running from the cops. And my guess is when they do the investigation, they're going to find that the people in that vehicle were involved in that robbery or more. Could be wrong, but all right, you know, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it talks like a duck, chances are it's probably a duck. Here's a text, Jeff. Chase, chase, and chase. Otherwise, crime will rise and drugs will increase. It's time for our timid mayor to take a stance and demand that judges put these terrible criminals away. Right. 414-799-1620. Here's another text. Jeff, you can't put other people's lives in danger. If the person took off, it's very unlikely the chasing after them with your lights on is going to get them to pull over. It's going to end badly and you're putting other people's lives in danger. Don't give chase. You can get the person at a later time without putting other people's lives in danger. Trust me, you will change your mind on this once one of your loved ones gets killed in a situation like this. Okay, well, I, I, for years, we did not chase. And what did you see? You saw out-of-control, reckless driving in the city of Milwaukee. You saw mobile drug cars that would see the cops and then they would flee at high rates of speed. You saw cars that would go through red lights at 70 and 80 and 90 and 100 miles an hour with police officers sitting and watching them because they knew they were not allowed to chase. And the result of that was, I think, carnage on the streets. Not chasing didn't make things safer. And, and by the way, when you don't chase, what you're doing is you're letting that criminal get away. So if you have that person that's just for the sake of argument, you know, walked into a store, stuck a gun in somebody's face and held them up. All right. And you have a chance to apprehend them, but you let them drive off. You know, what's to say that the next day they're not going to walk into a different store with that same gun, stick it in somebody else's face and then pull the trigger. You know, you you can't just let criminals run away. And this idea that, oh, we're going to catch them later. Well, good luck with that.
I mean, seriously, you know, in many situations, the cars that are used, for example, in these armed robberies or the drug dealing and stuff, it's not like they're registered to the owner. You know, in many cases, they turn out to be their stolen cars. And what you do is you find them in an alley somewhere in the city of Milwaukee, you know, three or four days later, abandoned and stripped or whatever. And the people that robbed the store or committed the crimes of violence, they're gone. Bottom line is, again, I think you have to be smart as to how you do it. But you cannot let the criminals just run free. And this idea of let's just turn people loose and we'll catch them later. Um, sorry. Here's a text. Jeff, I think it was definitely worse when they didn't chase. And honestly, how many of those criminals did they actually catch later? Yeah. Yeah, that's the issue. Another text. Lock them up when they run. Treat as someone just indiscriminately firing a weapon into a crowd because that's what it is. You know, that to me, again, is the key. And I keep coming back to this. I understand that as a community, we have more and more people that want to be touchy-feely. We don't want to lock people up because, oh, you committed an armed robbery and you fled the police. Oh, you're just misunderstood. We need to let you play midnight basketball or whatever. And I'm not against midnight basketball, and I'm not against giving second chances to low-level criminals. What I'm against is this idea that you have a certain criminal element in this overall community that thinks they can do whatever they want. They're not afraid of consequences. They're not afraid of the cops. And they will continue to commit crimes and put the rest of us in danger as long as they are on the street, which then begs the question, why do we allow them to be on the street? So, yeah, you run from the cops and you get caught. Yes, If judges don't put you in prison for four or five years, shame on those judges. And one of the things I would love to see our elected officials, starting with the district attorney and then the mayor and then the county executive, then the alderman, you know, all these people who talk about how they're, you know, they're upset that they've got crime in their particular district. I appreciate that there are. Well, okay, let's start to look at some of the sentences that comes out that come out of these courts and let's start to call out some of these judges. You know, if you're an alderman and you've had a situation where somebody has run a red light trying to avoid the police, slammed into a car and caused all sorts of problems, and then you've got some judge down at the county courthouse who puts that person driving the car on probation or gives them six months in the house of correction, you know, maybe instead of a radio talk show host coming out and calling you out, maybe it would be nice to have some outrage from the community about that stuff, and maybe that's how you get some pressure on some of the judges and some of the charging Decisions made by the district attorney, Paul, in the North Shore. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, thanks for taking the call. Hi, Paul. Yeah, still a little bit of my thunder there. I was going to say it's not really a police or a chase issue. It's when they catch them, and then they go through the court system. They get a slap on the wrist, right? And then they repeat and repeat. And it, you know, you talk about the the liberals who talk about the uh, you know incarceration rate of certain races and. and uh, male, females in the state, and has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the the judges who literally let these people walk. Yeah, and it's a, a vicious circle, and it just repeats itself. Well, it's, well right. It has to do with the police not doing their job the right way. Right, and you know, and what happens, Paul? If, if you talk to cops. What they will tell you, and, and I mean, I'm going to generalize with the numbers, but 90% of the crime is committed by 10% of, of, of the criminals. You know, it's it's these repeat criminals who do this over and over and over again, and they're the ones you just got to get off the street. We're not doing anybody any of favors by not holding them accountable. I have a friend who's a cop, and he said that sometimes he even recognizes these guys from sure. time and time again. And if they don't even look for cars sometimes. They look for people. They might be in a black car. They might be in a yellow car. Sure. 
they don't look for the cars. They look for the repeat offenders. They know them by name and face. And, and where they hang out, right? Exactly. And thanks to call. And, and if it's a juvenile, well, I mean, the district attorney, they, you know, you go steal all the cars you want. The district attorney won't even consider waving you into adult court. Here's a text, Jeff. I absolutely agree with chasing. I had my license plate stolen, and my son caught the person in the act of stealing, and told him to go ahead. The police will catch you eventually. We're going to report the license plate is stolen. The kids laughed and said, "Like we're going to stop for the cops." No, they just have no intention of doing that. And if they're juveniles, like I say, there's no, there's, they know there's going to be no consequences. Look, I'm glad nobody was seriously injured last night. I, I really am. But for people who are using this as a situation of maybe the cops should just let cars that are suspected to be involved in armed robberies drive away, get real. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, breaking news. As we said earlier, the uh, th- this is by 3 o'clock today. Our time is the Major League Trading deadline. A lot of speculation as to whether the Brewers would be sellers or buyers. Um, and unlike previous years where there, there was essentially an, another trade deadline that could occur by the end of August if a player cleared waivers, this year it, it's July 31st and, and that's it. The Brewers, of course, are in this they're in this difficult situation. I've been arguing they should be sellers because I don't think they're going to go to the World Series this year. But they're they're close. They're two games out of first place um, in the National League Central Division, and I understand it, it's tough to start dumping players and saying, okay, well, we're going to plan for next year. When you're two games out of first place, they're like a game or a game and a half out of the second wild card spot. So. They're sort of in this position where you, you got to try to better the team. They made one deal that we announced earlier with the Tampa Bay, where they traded Jesus Aguilar, who great year last year, been struggling this year, and really was kind of an excess piece. They traded him to Tampa Bay for a pitcher. Okay, here are the reports. The Brewers have made a deal with San Francisco, and San Francisco is actually in the same kind of position the Brewers are in. Everybody thought. Everybody thought that San Francisco was going to be a down year for them and that they were going to be sellers and they were in a rebuilding mode. And then they went out and they won 17 out of 20 games. And now, you know, they're they're not going to catch the Dodgers to win the NL West, but they're in a position where if things fell right, that they had it, they would have perhaps as good a chance as any team to to be in the wild card. I don't think they're that good, but I mean, they're still you know, you got a fan base out there that says, hey, we're, we're close to this wild card thing. You have to go for it. There was a lot of speculation that um, Madison Baumgartner, Gardner, who is there, you know, one of one of their their big stud pitchers who's due to be a free agent. There was one of the reports that, you know, he was going to be traded. I don't know about that, but he's not going to Milwaukee. Here's the deal. The Brewers are apparently trading. um Probably the top player in their minor league organization, this Mauricio Dubon, who you know was up had a cup of coffee with the team earlier on, but was viewed by you know many people as being either being probably the, the shortstop or maybe the third baseman. Or uh, now that Keston here is here, he's going to play second base. But um, highly regarded, probably my guess is Dubon, probably the top player in the Brewers farm system. They are they are trading him. He's going to San Francisco, and the reports are that um, Brewers are going to get two pitchers, one Drew Pomeranz, who is a left-hander, 
And uh, there's another tweet saying that Ray Black, who is a hard-throwing right-hander, is also going to be coming to the Brewers. So if this report that I'm looking at is correct, uh, they they give up their probably top remaining prospect in the minor leagues in order to get two pitchers. I can I confess I don't know that much about either one of them. But that's the breaking Brewers news. Um, again, there's another hour and twenty minutes before the, the trade deadline ends. But uh, Jesus Aguilar gone and Mauricio Dubon probably the top player in the farm system he's now gone as well when we come back it's a there's a column in the journal sentinel and it's it's one of these sort of interesting slice of life stories i want to share it with you and i want to get your reaction to it stick around this is jeff wagner you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj so very glad to have you with us hey uh, we were talking earlier today cream puff palooza Gave away 620 packs, three packs of cream puffs to WTMJ listeners. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 have a picture of, of, of the event. It's, uh, it's me. It's a number of my good karma teammates that were out there and did a great job. And it's, um, well, it's a giant cream puff. It, it's, it's puffy. I think that's what they call him or her. I didn't realize that they're, they're, that's not a, it's not a walking, talking cream puff. They say there's a person inside it. They say it's a suit. Who knew? In any event, um, that's out there. But if you look at the picture, what you will see is it looks like, it kind of looks like we're in a parking lot, say, you know, I don't know, like at Miller Park when the game is going on, because you just see rows and rows and rows and rows of cars going back. Well, actually, there are people sitting in all those cars just, you know, waiting for their chance to get the cream puff. So if you want to see what it was like, great picture. Uh, and that's uh, some of the my colleagues, my teammates that I work with, all great people. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. All right. There is a column, local columnist Jim Stingle, who writes kind of slice of life stories. And he's got one that's at least in the online edition of the Journal Sentinel that I find to be fascinating. All right. It's the headline is he tried to stop the tow truck dragging away his van. It didn't end well. My caption is, how did he think it would end? But but here's I, I want to share the, the story and I, I want to get your reaction to it. OK, the guy, 70 years old. And he works, I assume, part-time delivering, delivering Shepherd Express. You know, that's the, the free, like, weekly liberal newspaper that you, you see that they, they drop it off and you see it in grocery stores and liquor stores and things like that. Okay, this guy, his job is delivering the Shepherd Express. So he's out at Mill Road Shopping Center. Mill Road Shopping Center, it's like 76th and Mill Road. If you picture 76th and Good Hope, it, it's south of that, maybe a couple miles. I used to, when I was a kid, there used to be a thriving movie theater at Mill Road, but um, it's kind of fallen on kind of hard times. It's it's not, it's a challenge shopping center, and it's not the greatest neighborhood. I'm not saying it's the worst, but it's not the greatest neighborhood. So here's what happens. The guy, he's delivering these newspapers. He pulls up in the fire lane. All right, so, you know, the shopping center, they got these fire lanes. Do not park in the fire lane. He pulls up in front of this liquor store that's in this strip mall, Mill Road Shopping Center, and he parks in the fire lane, and he gets out, and he takes the papers in to drop them off. There is a tow truck. 
that's there. And apparently the tow truck, the crew is smiling at this already. Okay, the tow truck is apparently, you know, as a deal with the Mill Road Shopping Center people, all right, if you see people illegally parked, tow them away. So the tow truck driver sees this car that is illegally parked in the fire lane. Now, there's another reason why they have concerns about people parking in the fire lane. And that is because, based on their experience, people that are going to rob the store frequently rob stores frequently park in the fire lane. You know, because the fire lane is right in front of the store. You pull up, you put on a ski, you put get out of the car, you put on a ski mask, you run in, you hold up the store, you come running out, you get in your car. All right, so that that is a concern. So this tow truck driver is there. I don't know. I don't know that the tow truck driver sees the guy get out with the papers, but he gets out of the car and he goes in tow truck driver sees this car parked in the fire lane where it's not supposed to be so tow truck driver comes up and i I think this is pretty much a matter of a minute or two hooks up the car (laughs) and starts driving off with it all right so now you got the 70 year old guy who's just dropped off the papers he comes out and he sees the car and the tow truck driving off so what he does is he this would be the delivery driver who sees his car being driven off, he flags down a a passing driver, flags down the passing driver, asks her if he can jump in your car and pursue pursue the tow truck that's going down the street. Now, Gru, I don't know about you, but if I'm at any shopping center and there's somebody waving at me and saying, chase that tow truck, I'm not getting anywhere near this. But the woman says, sure. So he jumps into the car. By the way, she's got a kid in the back seat. She's got a child in the back seat. She lets this guy into her car, and they go tear-butting after the tow truck driver that's pulling the guy's car. They catch up to the tow truck on 76th Street, north of Mill Road. So, this, you know, 76th Street, pretty major drag even there. The guy jumps out of the car. This would be the driver jumps out of the car and confronts the truck driver, the tow truck driver, shouting about working for the shepherd and holding on to the driver's side window. All right? The driver, fearing for his safety, because you've got this guy that's now hanging on the window, drives off. The guy's hanging on to the truck. He then falls into the street. He falls off the street and ends up in Freighter Hospital, where he's been there, you know, for about five days because he's got bruises and all sorts of things like that. Uh, so this is the story. Um, and now, you know, the, the security people at Mill Road, they come out and they support the tow truck driver. They say, look, you know, this is a fire lane. You're not allowed to park in the fire lane. And by the way, you know, we're not saying this guy was stealing stuff, but we don't know. That's one of the reasons we are aggressive about this. Yeah, he didn't have much time. Yes, the tow truck driver was apparently ready to pounce, but but he parked in the fire lane. Um, and then he ended up driving off. So the police have investigated this. The police have decided that they're they're not issuing charges in connection you know with this so no charges against the tow truck driver no charges against the guy whose towed or whose car was towed but I, I admit i find this to be a fascinating story our number 414-799-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line look i'm i'm sorry the 70 year old guy ended up in the hospital 
All right. And, and it's a bizarre story that you flag down this car and you chase after the tow truck driver. He, I think the 70 year old man is lucky that the tow truck driver, for example, wasn't a concealed carry holder or something because, you know, when you have this crazy guy that gets out of the car, runs up and grabs onto your truck and starts hanging on, I, you know, it, it could have ended up completely different. But your reaction to this, um, does the man whose car was being towed, does he have a legitimate beef? Was the tow truck driver in the right? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I- I'm glad nobody was seriously hurt, but I appreciate the frustration of the guy whose car was towed, but I guess I go back to the basic premise, you shouldn't have parked in the fire lane in the first place. And under no circumstances in today's day and age, if that happened to me, would I flag down a car and chase after the tow truck. That's why you have cell phones. But what do you think? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should the tow truck driver have been charged with doing something? My answer would be no. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Mark texts me, Jeff, you've touched on something that purely infuriates me. No one should be parked in the fire lane for any reason. I see this all the time. If a disabled person has to walk a distance to get to the store, um, you know, you should have they sh- other people should have to park in the lot, too. You are not special. Let's talk to Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I think the most intriguing person in this whole story is, well, first of all, the tow truck driver was correct in towing the guy. The guy shouldn't have parked there. But he's done this a couple times before to drop off the papers and leave. But the most intriguing person is the woman who gave the guy the rest. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. There's so many aspects of the story. I mean, I'm trying to imagine, you know, if, if all of a sudden this, this, this obviously agitated guy comes running out of a liquor store in this strip mall, flags me down and says, chase that tow truck. Like, I'm going to let him in the car, especially if I've got a kid in the back? No way. And speed off after the guy. Yeah, no, right, no, absolutely, no. I mean, they, you're, you're right, that's what, there's so many different aspects of the story, and that that's kind of certainly one of them. That's one where, I, I guess, if it's me, I'm kind of rolling up the windows and kind of, like, pulling off. And, okay, you know, that's that's what you have phones for. You go back into the liquor store, you pull out your cell phone, and you call the cops or you call whoever. I, I guess I, I find it to be an interesting story. I'm glad the 70-year-old man wasn't wasn't hurt. I understand that people can get upset with, and it, does, it sounds like this tow truck driver was just waiting to haul him off, and, and, and he did. But I guess, to me, th- this all starts with, don't park in the fire lane. I mean, that that's where the whole problem ensues. And candidly, I think this 70-year-old guy is, is lucky. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, crew. This is, of course, the day of the trading deadline, another hour. I'll give you my take on this recently announced trade because there's good news and bad news. The good news is the Brewers need pitching, so they went out and they traded for some more pitchers. The bad news is it appears that the pitchers they're trading for suck. Um, the, the latest deal with San Francisco is the Brewers took one of their very top prospects, Mauricio Dubon, who's a, they think he's a stud infielder, um, one of the top two or three prospects in their organization, Thought you know he was in the major leagues for a little bit. Um, they have traded him to San Francisco for two pitchers, Drew Pomerantz, who is 
30 years old. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He, um, so he's only going to only be around for a couple months. He, he's been awful this year. Um, he was a starter for the Giants, went two and nine with a six ten ERA. Ooh, they they pulled him out of being a starter and they used him in relief out of the bullpen. And he has pitched five and a half scoreless innings out of the bullpen. But he's having a miserable season as a general rule and then the other guy they got is a guy named ray black who is 29 years old he's still essentially a rookie which means he's he's had trouble making it to the major leagues he spent most of his career in the minor leagues so um they say he's a hard thrower but again he's a he's a 29 year old rookie (laughs) so what do you think rue i think it's a c minus C minus deal because well we get rid of one of our best prospects, prospects for a pitcher that we're not going to have next year I would assume in Pomeranz and right. then who we have this Ray Black guy who is twenty nine not hasn't made his mark yet right if he if he passes thirty thirty two whatever then he's not going to be a pitcher at all so I don't, I don't know what what, well, we're, what I mean, we're doing well no I mean clearly they're I mean they're they're desperate for pitchers because they know what they have isn't good enough so i mean they're, they're clearly i mean they're they're buying but right yeah i think this this clearly means they're buyers because if they're getting rid of a high prospect then they they got to do some investment in right right now you know right. but i don't see how you're doing that with pomeranz right you I mean you're talking about you're you're talking about at best journeyman pitchers at, yeah. at best for only a couple of months and um you know i will tell you i like the um i like the aguilar trade that we talked about at the beginning i like that one better just because as we said they, they've kind of got a log jam at first base they've got players that can play first base aguilar was due for arbitration next year so they'd have to pay him a bunch of money and and he's fallen off his all-star year for uh, he, he's he's not hitting home runs something's happened he's lost his power you know maybe he can turn it around i like him and i hope he will i think he's perhaps better suited to play designated hitter in the american league um and the guy they got is a young pitcher that strikes me as somebody having some potential he had a good year in 2017 bad year in 2018 but he's at least got some potential and they control him for a few years these guys that they got from san francisco strike me as being just guys at at best i'm kind of liking this to um the two trades that we made last year. So we made the first trade for Moustakis, big impact for us, right? right? And that's kind of what's happening with the with the Faria trade. This one's feeling more like the Jonathan Scope trade. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, yeah, ooh. That one's. I still haven't forgiven David Stearns for that. That that's. I understand he gets credit for like you know making the list, uh, making the uh, you know the trade for Yelich, and you get credit for that. But I, I yeah, this one. This this strikes me, and maybe I look. I hope I'm proven wrong. I'm hoping that you know this Drew Pomerantz turns around and he becomes the second coming of CC Sabathia back in 2008, and Ray Black comes in and takes over the spot that Corey Knable had, and you know, and bolsters the bullpen. I hope that's the case, but it really this this deal, especially the second one, just strikes of desperation to me. It's like, all right, let's, and you're and you're really giving away. You're, you're giving away a guy who was going to be your future. I mean, he was going to potentially replace Arcia or something like that. Yeah, and, and now we're getting really into baseball stuff, but the the Marlins made a, a trade today, one of their best prospect pitchers for a middling prospect shortstop, basically who we just traded, Dubon, 
for our for our terrible pitching that we're getting back Pomeranz and and this black character. We could have traded Dubon for this high prospect from the Marlins. We could have made a trade with them. And um, yeah, I'm not impressed. I, I'm not yeah, impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not impressed either. And I, we both hope we're wrong because we are we are Brewers fans, and um, uh, I mean they desperately need pitching. I mean this 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 whole thing. It starts by miscalculations during the offseason about how good the pitching staff was. And some pitchers who, like Corbin Burns, who I like, who regressed dramatically during the year. And then injuries. I mean, you know, the last thing in the world you need at this point in time is, you know, Brandon Woodruff, you know, pulling an oblique. You know, I, yeah. I never even heard of that until about a year or so ago, but, you know, hurting his o- oblique muscle. Um, well, in any event, uh, the, the Brewers have bolstered their pitching staff. Like I say, the good news is they, they've, they've got more arms. The bad news is none of them are exactly moving the needle going, huh, this is going to be a big one. All right. I want to talk about a cat lady. Yeah, I told you today was going to be an eclectic show. And, yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about the Democratic debate last night in just a minute. But I, I'm fascinated by by this story. 79-year-old woman lives in a suburb of Cleveland. All right. Here's the deal. The community, all right, in the neighborhood she lives in, there is an ordinance, and it says people who live in the community are not allowed to feed animals other than ones that they own, right? That That's what it is. They are encouraged not to set food outside of their home, and it's actually, it's a misdemeanor to do that, all right? So that's the background you're not supposed to feed animals. So here's the deal. The lady, she's 79 years old. Her husband dies in 2017. So she's by herself. She's lonely. Apparently, her neighbor moves away and abandons a couple cats, leaves a couple cats at the house. So these cats are kind of like like wandering around. So what she does is she sees them, she feels sorry for them, and she feeds them. And, you know, once you start feeding a cat, they come back. So she keeps feeding them. Now, now there are about six to eight adult cats that come over to her place, and she doesn't own them, hasn't taken them in, but she feeds them. There's like six to eight adult cats, and as cats tend to do, some of these cats have had kittens. So now there's like six to eight adult cats, and there's some kittens, and they keep coming over to her house, and she she feeds them. You know, they're they're outside, she feeds them, and then they go off and they run through the neighborhood or do whatever, and then they come back and she feeds them. A couple of neighbors have complained about this, and they've called like what animal control or whatever whatever they call it in this particular community, and they've complained. They said, "Hey, this 79 year old lady, she's feeding these cats." She is feeding these cats, and it's against the ordinance, and we want you to do something. So she's been issued a set of tickets. And this has gone on, again, it's gone on for like the last year, year and a half. She feeds the cats. Neighbors complain. They come out. They've issued her tickets. She's already paid in the neighborhood of $2,000 in fines for feeding these cats. But she keeps doing it. So the last time she did it, she got whistled in in front of a judge and the judge the magistrate who heard this case his name is um, Garfield Heights Municipal Court Magistrate Jeffrey Short gave her a 10-day sentence 
in the local jail for feeding the cats. And his point is, well, you know, we've we've done this, you know, we've we've given her citations and that hasn't worked. She continues to keep doing this. She's already paid more than $2,000 in fines and that hasn't stopped her from doing this. So now we're going to send her to jail. So she was according to this one magistrate, she was told you got to report to jail next month. You're going to have to serve 10 days for feeding these stray cats. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Do you send a 79-year-old woman to municipal jail for 10 days for feeding some cats, at least some of whom were abandoned when her neighbor left? How would you handle this? Is this sentence appropriate or is it absolutely, well, ridiculous? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The ordinance says you're not supposed to feed animals outside. You're only supposed to feed your own. I, I mean, I, I guess I, I understand that. You don't want to attract feral cats and things like that. She's got like six to eight cats that live outside that she has adopted. Do you put her in jail? 414-799-1620. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Quick reminder, the Wisconsin State Fair starts tomorrow. We will be broadcasting live starting at 830 with Steve Scafidi show. I will be there every weekday of the fair, not till 3 o'clock every day, because some days we have early Brewers games. But if you're out at the State Fair, please stop off and say hello I guarantee you this is going to be an interesting conversation. What do you do with the cat lady? James in Pewaukee. James, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. Hi, James. Um, for lack of a better word, it's always humorous to me when we decide we're going to enforce laws and when we're not. And usually, for some odd reason, H seems to play into this. Um, the fact is, as I understand this, of course, is you know we had somebody willfully breaking an ordinance. Yep. He was warned about it a multitude of times. Or citations, specifically as a as a president of a homeowners association and association, there's rules in place for a reason. And when it comes to animals, this is specifically why. Now all of a sudden you have dozens of cats that nobody wants necessarily around their house, stray cats, and this is what this breeds, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And after warned and cited a million times, or however many times it is, she continues to willfully engage in unlawful behavior i mean no no one wants to put anyone in jail but what are you supposed to do when someone just decides they're not going to obey the northern so why i mean well i guess the question she's 73 years old she should know better by now well i guess the question would be i mean give, i guess see first of all with jail i mean you can you 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 can rob people at gunpoint and not go to jail i guess that that's part of the issue what about alternatives just going out and trapping the cats for example well she okay fine there's a million different alternatives, and yeah. I think that you know, that's just a non sequitur. Of course, you can wrap something that. That's just that's just dumb. But if, if, if and fine, if she's created this problem, this nuisance, then charge her or or, or, or lay her culpability or responsibility for having these cats trapped and and, 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 and taken off the premise. But it's no. clear she's just willfully doing something wrong. Nothing they've done thus far has been successful. No, you're right. I mean, no, that thanks. I mean, that, that's true. I mean, that's true. I guess. I, and I appreciate it. I'm the guy that like preaches consequences. I mean, having said that, I think it's ridiculous to put a 79 year old people. I mean, like I say, you rob people at gunpoint, you you steal cars 
You steal multiple cars. You don't go to jail. I think it's ridiculous to take a 79-year-old woman and, and put her in, in jail for doing this. My sense is there's probably some mental health issues here as well. I'm not saying to excuse it, but I, what what do you accomplish? You put her in jail for 10 days. She comes out. She keeps feeding the cats. What are we going to put her in jail for 60 days or a year or whatever? You know, maybe this is one where you, you get a little bit of creative, and, and maybe if it's really this much of a nuisance for the neighbors, maybe that's one where animal control says, okay, we're going to come out. We're going to trap these cats because it's, it's – it's not like it's hundreds. It's like six to eight adult cats, and now some of them have kittens. We're going to come on out, trap them, and then take them away, and then problem goes away. Evan in Milwaukee. Evan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Evan. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. You said the things that I really want to say. Uh, if there is stray cats around, then that the, you should have a – I'm sure there is a department of, of – of, that, that collects stray cats. Sure. Animal. I'm, my guess is the same people that issue the tickets. Yeah. Animal control. Then send someone out to get for animal control. Have them to have them to come and pick them up. Then she won't have anything to feed. But uh, I, I think it's only a humanitarian thing for her to feed a cat or, or you feed a dog or anything else. Yeah, I, I guess what I don't understand, and I, I don't know if there's a limit on the number of pets you can have. The the other solution would simply be for her to take the cats in, you know, because you can feed your own pets and stuff. And I, I mean, I understand the neighborhood d- doesn't want just cats running around there because it attracts all sorts of other stuff. So I mean, I understand why you have the ordinance. I'm just, I, I just don't think you put a 79 year old lady in jail for this particular offense. I don't think you put anybody in jail at any age for feeding something that needs food. Yeah. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. But again, to me, the obvious solution to this, because she's she's clearly intent on doing it. She's been fined several thousand dollars and she's going to continue to do it. it. It seems to me the obvious solution is just remove the cats. I mean, they're, they're in the neighborhood. They're there. I, th- this doesn't sound like it's kind of rocket science. You know, go out, you know, put some other food in the area. They'll come in, take them, and then do whatever you do with them. Take them to the main society or, again, do whatever you do. If this is that much of a problem, that's fine. Now, it, it's interesting because I live in an area right now where we have, God, we have all this wildlife. We have wild turkeys and we have we have we have wild turkeys and there's lots of geese and you see deer running through the things and all and and I guess it doesn't necessarily create a problem but you know I I, I understand I guess I you know if we had a problem with cats you know I, I don't know that I necessarily want my neighbors you know feeding the cats but again if it's a problem just get rid of the cats don't put the lady in jail Jeremy and Racine Jeremy you're on WTMJ hi thanks for taking my call hi Jeremy I agree with you completely. Instead of incarcerating or putting her in jail for 10 days, uh, issue citations, but do the other function of animal control, which is catch the animals yeah. and put them up for adoption or bring them to the pound. That's, that's part of their job. That's yeah. what they're there for. They're not removing some raccoon that's pesting uh, trash cans or anything. These are stray cats, tomcats, and that's part of their function as, as their job. Yeah, and I and I then I think you make the problem go away because the story, at least the way I understand it, is the majority of these cats were 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 in the neighborhood. They were owned by the guy next door. He moved away and abandoned them, and so she's just been kind of taking care of them in in her way. So it's it, it's not like they brought in hundreds of cats. But I mean, I I understand how this could become a problem because cats have kittens and then the thing grows. So just. Just remove them. Just take them out of the area. Then there's no problem. Then then there's nothing for her to feed unless she goes and, and adopts some of the cats herself. 
Exactly. I agree. I know. Thanks, Nicole. Again, it's just, now, it's interesting, because I, I, I named the magistrate who, who ordered her to jail. And he apparently, this is kind of interesting, and it's sort of like local politics. There, he was apparently filling in one day for the other magistrate who had th- this case assigned to her, but the case came up on the day he was there. Once the original magistrate came back, and this this has gotten national attention and a lot of local attention, and I think the general sentiment is you don't put this woman in prison you got to you got to come up with or jail you don't come up you got to come up with some other alternative whatever that would be and that's the general sense of the community except for a couple people who just are, are fed up with her cuz she keeps keeps feeding cats and i understand that so the the magistrate that now is back on the case has apparently put the brakes on the jail sentence and said I tell you what let's I want to rethink this, and we're going to have a hearing, you know, in a week or two, and I want to hear from the community, and I want to hear from the lady, and I want to hear, you know, maybe from, like we were talking about, some of these animal control people about what the, uh, are there other alternatives that could solve the problem? That, I think, is the way to go. That's just me. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. Okay, so Grew, I just posted I said a while ago on Facebook a picture this morning was Cream Puff of Palooza, and there's a picture of me and a number of my teammates. Everybody was working hard, and I see all the cars in the background, and there's the State Fair Cream Puff mascot that I said was like Puffy or something. I, I've I've been told I've heard I have heard from the audience. How could I have forgotten that uh, the the Cream Puff? The mascot is Craven D. Cream Puff. That's the name. I get it like as in craving cream puff, but it's Craven D. Cream Puff. That's it. So Craven, I apologize for not knowing your name. But if you wanna if you wanna see me in the giant walking talking cream puff and some of my good karma teammates from early this morning, check out uh, the the Twitter account. It's um at Jeff Wagner six twenty. All right. I have intentionally Avoided talking about what happened last night at the Democratics, the, the first debate, because not a lot of people saw it. Only 10 million people watched it. Um, that's down dramatically from the first Democrat debate. And, and look, the, the fact of the matter is, whatever really happens at these debates, it, it doesn't matter because you've got so many people that are that are out there. I mean, you just the, the reality is of the 10 people on the stage last night. There's probably only one or two that has a realistic chance of getting the Democratic nomination. That would be Bernie Sanders or um, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, some people think maybe Mayor Pete. I don't. I, I doubt that. I mean, and and it's once it starts shaking down, that then I think you start paying attention. The problem, though, for Democrat candidates is that the, the battle lines are are being drawn. And what you saw last night was that, you know, Bernie Sanders, the kind of, you know, self-proclaimed socialist, and Elizabeth Warren, who is a socialist but doesn't want to acknowledge it, they were out on the far fringes of the Democrat Party. And you had many of the other candidates who were saying, look, we're Democrats, you know, and, and we, we want to beat Donald Trump, but and I'm going to paraphrase here, you guys are kooks. And and this stuff that you're talking about is so far out of the mainstream that the American public isn't there with you. And and both Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, they kind of double down. And they're Bernie Sanders, he's got his arms flailing, he's waving, he's, oh, I'm absolutely right. But, but here's 
where, what they stand for. And, and let me just kind of run down a list, and then I want to open up the phone lines, and I want to ask a serious question, because I think, I think Donald Trump is a very, very flawed candidate. I, I've said that. But, but here are the things, or at least just some of the things, that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are talking about. Open borders, essentially. Open borders. Free health care for undocumented illegal immigrants. So pretty much open borders, anybody can come in, and then once they come in, we're going to give them free health care. Both of them are adamant, essentially about government and government-only provided health care. So for the vast majority of Americans who get their health insurance through their private employer, you're going to lose that. You're, you're not going to be able to keep your own insurance carrier. You're not going to be able to keep your own insurance. You're going to lose that. It's going to be Medicare for all. And by the way, Medicare for all, those of you who are on Medicare, mo- Medicare doesn't cover everything. So most of you have, most people on Medicare have private insurance that supplements it. That's going to be gone. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders want to essentially do away with the private health care industry. So if you're one of the million people that work in the private health care industry, your, your jobs are going to be eliminated in favor of a government system. Now, maybe you can switch over and work for the government, but that you're not going to be in the private sector anymore. Reparations, that's on the table. Forgiveness of student loans. A war on corporations. Corporate America is bad. It is evil. People have made too much money. These corporations control too much wealth. We've got to redistribute it. Power to the people. And those are just, I mean, some of the headline things. You know, once you dig down, it gets worse. But but both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they're proud of this. They say, look, this is why run for president unless you want to make major changes to American society. And that's what we want to do. We want to make major changes to American society. We want to redistribute wealth. We want to completely and totally upend the system. Open borders, free health care for illegal immigrants, government-provided health insurance, no private option anymore, reparations, forgiveness of student loans. I go on and on and on. A number of the other Democrats are saying, America's not there. This is too far out. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think, and I have said this from the beginning, the question, if this were purely a referendum on Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump loses re-election. If this was purely a referendum on him, I believe that. Um, I think people who voted for him in 2016, at least a percentage might be willing to go the the other way because they voted for him as the alternative to Hillary Clinton, who they didn't like. What changes the dynamic, in my opinion, is if the Democrats decide to nominate someone like a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren who's not talking about small changes in American society or trying to move America a little bit to the left. They're talking about essentially blowing up, figuratively speaking, you know, a number of institutions in this country. And I don't think America's there. I don't think we're ready for open borders. I don't think we're ready for, uh, again, a nationalized health insurance service. I don't think we're ready for complete income redistribution like they're talking about. 
What do you think? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A number of the people on the stage last night were cautioning, saying, hey, the way we lose this election to Donald Trump is by, you know, going out here to what I'm calling the kook fringe. All right. Is that a winner? 414-799-1620. Does America want to go that far to the left in 2020? My answer would be no. And if the Democrats nominate somebody who wants to do that, you're, you're, you're pretty much guaranteeing that Donald Trump wins re-election. And you know what? Might win a re-election by a larger margin than he was elected by in 2016. And I firmly believe that. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you the, the other thing. As off-putting as I find President Trump, I find some of this stuff, and I was watching some of the debate last night and reading the summaries, I think some of this stuff is is really scary, and you put it all together in a package, and it should terrify a good chunk of America. 414-799-1620, we discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. You know, I keep thinking back to 1964. Uh, Barry Goldwater, you know, in some respects viewed as the, the founder of the modern conservative movement, he ran against Lyndon Johnson. He, he lost in a landslide in part because Goldwater's ideas were perceived as way too reactionary. The country wasn't where Goldwater wanted to go, and he lost in a, in a landslide. Now, you can argue that, you know, 15 years later, you have Ronald Reagan that comes in, and, and by then maybe the country was, was, was ready to move that way. I, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 years from now, maybe we will be in a position where we're, we're ready to adopt all these kind of whacked-out, far-left policies. But I don't think that's where we are today. Connie and Portage. Connie, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Connie. Um, hi, I'm voting for Biden. I'm a Democrat. And I do like Kamala Harris. I right. think she's excellent. But I do not think they will elect a woman. And I don't think Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, although I like Elizabeth Warren, I don't think the country's ready. They're too extreme, like you said. Yeah. But I had something interesting. I just had lunch. And uh, and and I was in a bar, and there, CNN was on, and there was Be- best of you, Connie. You're having you're having lunch in a bar. You go, girl. Well, with Red Lobster. Where else? <laughs> okay, can you go? God. Okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> and this young man in his twenties, he has, CNN was on, and they showed the debates. And I said, "Well, who are you going to vote for?" And he said, "Bernie Sanders." And I said, "In out of Madison," and I thought to myself, "That's a lot of young people. They don't know really what they're doing yet. They're too young." Yeah. And uh, they just think all of this stuff is going to be wonderful for them, right? But, and it's not going to cost anything. And I know. Yeah, yeah, no, I no, and I, and I understand it. It sort of has this this appeal until you start. Oh, you know, why why can't the government right. provide health insurance for everybody? Until you yeah. start realizing what that's going to cost exactly. and things like that. Okay, so let me yeah. let me ask you this, Connie. Yeah. You're, you said you're a Democrat. Let's say that Biden loses. Biden doesn't get the nomination, and it's it's Elizabeth Warren or it's a Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Who do you vote for? You vote for them over Trump? Oh, I vote for anybody over Trump. Got it. Okay. Fair enough. No, I no no I and I get it. No, thanks for calling. And I, and I, I mean, I understand. There's there there's hardcore. There's people. You know, there, there's the hardcore Democrats who are going to do that. I, I but I mean, I, I stand by what I I stand by what I say. If the Democrats nominate people that are pursuing this agenda that I set forth, I I think I think Trump wins. I think Trump might actually even pick up states because I just I don't think if you wanted to talk about maybe one of these things. 
Oh, okay. If you wanted to say, I, you know, we we need to, I don't know, we we need to figure out, you know, we need we need the government sponsored health care. And if you were doing that, okay, maybe that becomes the issue, and you can argue about it. But then once you throw in, okay, we're gonna have open borders, and we have free health care for illegal immigrants, and and you know, we're going to you know do away with the whole private insurance system. Once you start throwing all that in. That's a lot to put on some person's plate. Brian in Brookfield. Brian, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Brian. What do you um, think? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there are a lot of extreme ideas out there. It's like, you know, what's it going to cost? How are you going to pay for it? Um, you know, yeah, well, we're, we're, we're going to go after the corporations and the wealthy. That, that's kind of the well, answer you that know, you said. Part said. of it is like, yes, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and there's a lot of tax loopholes. You know, there's a lot of, you know, weeks that can be done without going, you know, sure. right. You know, no, obviously, I think the presidential vetting process should be a lot stronger. Obviously, you know, tax returns, you know, are one thing, but, you know, it's just like, you know, what are your qualifications? You know, should you have a you know, college degree on some level? You know, like mm-hmm. 40 different things you have to look at, and Trump, you know, obviously should have never gotten... Do you do you agree though with my premise that if the Democrats nominate somebody who's way 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 far left, that um, that Trump gets reelected? Probably because it's going to be the reverse of you know. Well, I don't want to vote for Hillary, so I'll vote for Trump. Well, and then you probably have a lot of people that are like, well, I don't want to vote for Trump, I'll vote for whoever else. You right. know, so it might be the reverse of the last. No, know. no, I, right. I, I mean, I think, think so. I mean that if. if Look, if the election is purely about President Trump, uh, just like the last election, to your point, was, was about Hillary, you know, it's, it's one thing. If, on the other hand, and this is why, I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think President Trump, when, when he sends out these tweets, I, I, I don't think it's some planned master strategy. I think he gets up at three o'clock in the morning and has a wild hair up a certain part of his anatomy and then just lashes out. But, but one of the things that he has done in certain respects is, is he succeeded in you know okay if if the the, the squad the, these far left wing congresswomen if that's the face of the democrat party well, it's going to be a good year for Republicans in 2020. And a, a lot of mainstream Democrats, they're saying that, too. They're saying, hey, look, we won in swing districts because in 2018 because we were the alternative to Trump. If all of a sudden we're going to be labeled as, I mean, the people that are supporting the, this far-left agenda, we're, we're going to go down to defeat. So that's the interesting dynamic. And, and look, I, I don't know how this is all going to play out. My instincts, and every time I say this, I know people say, well, you didn't think Trump was going to win in the first place, and no, I didn't. My instincts still tell me, at the end of the day, Democrats are going to want to win, and Joe Biden, I think, I I mean, Joe Biden doesn't, Joe Biden does not scare people like Bernie Sanders scares people and like Elizabeth Warren scares people, And, and while he might be disappointing as far as being more of a mainstream centrist kind of Democrat than than the far left, I think he's the most electable one that's out there right now. So of the ones that are going to emerge out of this process. But, you know, so you nominate Bernie Sanders, I, I think, you know, Trump wins. You nominate Elizabeth Warren, I think Trump wins. Joe Biden, I think that's a different story. What Democrat primary voters do, well, that's what's going to be fascinating to see. And we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. Look for everybody to be going after Joe Biden because he, he's the front runner and he's the guy that's got the figuratively speaking target on his back. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Please stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.